Our scripture reading for today comes to us from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Here now, the reading of God's, excuse me, that's the wrong passage of scripture. What is the passage of scripture for today? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses to 1 to 13. Here now, uh, the reading of God's word. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with the most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instructions of whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Only Father, Lord, we just thank you for being our God, and we thank you for allowing us this day and this time to come and be able to worship you uh, in this way. <laughs> we pray, O oh Lord, that you'll be with all of our NCS, NCF members and those guests who are watching uh, through the live stream or here now in person, O oh Lord. Lord, may you uh, fill them up spiritually, uh, fill their spirits up so they could go and tackle the world once again, Lord Father. Lord, I ask that you'll use me as your instrument to uh, give your word to your people, Lord Father. Be with us now and forevermore. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, I've shared before how about the many different hats that I had to wear while serving at my previous churches. Now, most of the churches I served at was in first-gen Korean-American churches. So as years went by, they would just give me more and more work to do. Uh, that I didn't actually sign up for in the beginning. Uh, before this position at NCF, uh, at my previous church, right before this one, I was uh, the EM and the youth pastor. And then, as time went on, I became the education pastor. So I had to also oversee the entire education department. And then as time went on, I had to start giving sermons in Korean, whether that was in morning prayer or Wednesday night service or during the Sunday service. But there was another hat that I was required to wear at times that wasn't pastoral at all. And that was, I also had to be the church admin when anything had to be done in English. So if we had to change internet companies, we asked Pastor Charles, you don't understand what the person on the phone is talking about? Well, Pastor Charles will handle it. And if you need need to make reservations for XYZ, Pastor Charles, he's your guy. He'll take care of all the admin work as well. And as the admin, I also had to go through letters that came to the church because <laughs> they didn't know what it was about. Like, let us know which ones are important that we need to really look over and throw away 
whichever ones are spam. And one time, we got this letter from the fire department telling us that our annual inspections were coming up, and so make sure everything is in order. And they gave us a list of all the things that <laughs> had to be basically up to code, right? So they're going to check things like the sprinkler system. Is the sprinkler system working? Are there batteries in the fire alarm? Are the emergency lights working? Are fire extinguishers accessible and not blocked by things? And they also made us draft up what would happen if there was a fire to take place in the building, like how you would go outside to safety. And of course, one of the most important things, thank you, was that we had to have clearly marked exit signs. We had to have clearly marked exit signs. It's very important. It is law even that all rooms have exit signs that are visible to all people. Long time ago, most of, our, most of us might remember this, not our kids, but when you go and watch a movie, after the trailers played, what did they play? They played a little video clip that showed in case of a fire, there are these various exits that you could uh, leave the theater in. <laughs> also, if you go on an airplane, the flight attendant comes up before takeoff or there's a video that shows where the emergency exits are. Hopefully, you'll never have to use those exits, but they remind you, they tell you where these exits are. In this room where we worship, we have two exits, one to my left and one to my right, but because of COVID, we're not using that one, we're using this one. And they are also clear, clearly marked. This one says, stop! <laughs> there's COVID, don't go out that way. This one says, exit! Well, there's not COVID, but you get what I'm saying, right? There's COVID protocol, we just got to go out there one exit. Right? There's no COVID, it's okay to come back to worship. <laughs> exits are not are posted not just so that you could leave the building or area when things are good, but they're also lighted up to see when things are bad. If there was a fire in this room, you could see from our exits, maybe not at home, that the exits have lights in them for you to see if it gets too dark in here. In our Christian walks of life, there are times where we need to clearly be able to see the exits too. And what exits am I referring to? Well, the exit from temptation, exits from falling into sin. As Christians, we know we should not sin. We should not fall into temptation, and yet we do so time and time again. We wonder if there is a way to exit it. Is there a way to escape? We think there isn't because it's just so hard living this Christian life. It's just so hard to overcome the temptations that come into our lives. But as our scripture tells us for today, there is always an exit. There's always an exit and there's always an escape. In our passage, we see that Paul is reminding the believers at Corinth about what happened to their fathers, their ancestors of the faith. And though most of the believers in Corinth were Gentiles, still Paul speaks about the fathers to show a connection from the members, the Israelites of the Old Testament, and the current believers. And it says in first one, verses 1 and 2, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all, all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Paul is reminding the believers about what happened in the past to the fathers of the faith. And he reminds them through the story 
of the Exodus. During the Exodus, God led the Israelites through the desert as a pillar of cloud. God also led them through the Red Sea to escape Egypt. The Red Sea parted, the Israelites walked through on dry ground, but it came crashing down and destroyed their pursuers. And once again, once they got onto the other side during the day, uh, God led them as a pillar of cloud and at night as a pillar of fire. Just as how the Corinthian church, the Corinthian Christians were baptized into Christ, Paul says here that the Israelites at that time were symbolically baptized into Moses through this event. The Israelites not only had this amazing experience of God and seeing God's power, but we go on to see in verses 3 and 4 that it says, they also all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Not only did the Israelites experience God as a pillar of cloud leading them, not only did they experience this amazing sight of the Red Sea being parted and walking through it, but they also received sustenance that came to them in the desert where food wasn't so easy to find. The spiritual food that Paul refers to is manna, right? Food from heaven that God provided. And the spiritual drink that Paul is referring to is the water that flowed from the rock when it was hit. The Israelites continued to experience miracles like daily food from on the ground, water from the rock. They had it all. Every day they witnessed the power of God. They saw God moving. Paul even says that the rock followed them. This refers to water being coming from the rock both at the beginning and at the end of the desert wanderings. And when Paul says that the rock was Christ, he's sharing that Jesus in spiritual form was ever present with the people of Israel. But even though, even though the Israelites witnessed all this, they saw God's strength and God's powers, they still turned away from God, and God punished them. Verse 5 says, Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Even though God was with them, leading them in front of the, uh, of the procession of the Israelites, giving them protection, giving them salvation by destroying their captors with the Red Sea, giving them freedom, giving them food when they were hungry and water when they were thirsty. Even though God did all this, the people still sinned. They disobeyed God. They complained to God. They said they wanted to go back to Egypt. They didn't like the food that they were eating. They didn't like their circumstances. They even made a golden calf and worshipped it. They complained about everything. So what did God do? It said in verse 5, they were overthrown in the wilderness. The first generation of Israelites were all killed and died in the desert. They never made it to the promised land. Paul is sharing that even though these Israelites saw the miracles of God, experienced God so much that they should have had the strong faith and built the strong faith, not sin, they still did. And because they sinned, they were judged. Every day, we too witness the miracles of God, and yet we still sin. We have been going to church for years and years and years, hearing sermons years and years and years, and we still sin. 
Paul is saying this is the same thing that could happen to us if we just let our guard down and continue this life of sin. We can't just rely on our feelings, our, our emotions of what happened in our past, of our past experiences with God to help us overcome temptation in the world now. We need God's help. Don't just stay strong on your past experiences of God, but continue to experience God and grow in the Lord. It says in verse 6, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. That we might not also sin. That we might not also fall into the temptation and pursue these earthly pleasures. Right? As the old saying goes, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. If we know that Israel was always judged when they fell into sin, that should teach us. We too may be judged if we fall into sin. The next few verses speaks about different types of sin. Verse 7 says, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. You know, one problem that the Corinthian church faced was whether it was okay to eat food sacrificed to idols or not. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 deals with this. And some of the Corinthian church would go to pagan places of worship and get food there. Paul is saying to them, do not be idolaters, just as some of the Israelites were. The line, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, refers to the time the Israelites made a golden calf and got riled up in revelry in Exodus chapter 32. God judged and punished the Israelites that worshipped the golden calf, and thousands were killed. In verse 8, it says, We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6 about sexual immorality and to flee from it. Do not indulge in it as some of you are. The Israelites in the past did. Don't do it. In the Israelites' 23,000 were killed. And this is a reference to Numbers chapter 25, where the people once again worship an idol, Baal, and some of the men of Israel took foreign wives and did sexually immoral acts that led to the death of thousands of people. Look at what happened in the past and don't repeat it. Verse 9, we must not put, the, put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. The Israelites tested God by being impatient with him in the wilderness and grumbled against him. So God sent fiery snakes, fiery serpents to kill them in Numbers chapter 21. I did a previous sermon on it, so you can look back on the YouTube channel to get more information. Verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. The book of Numbers has numerous instances where people grumbled against Moses and um, against God and were judged and killed. All these things happened, and all these things are written down in the Old Testament for us to read about, look at, and make sure we don't follow suit. Verse 12, it says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Paul is saying is, do not feel confident or overconfident with your current faith. Do not think everything is going to be okay just because you believe. Be careful not to be overconfident in your faith or in your experience because even the best of us can fall. Even the best of us can fall into temptation and sin. We need to continue to stay in communion with God 
to be able to stand against whatever comes our way, whatever sin that may creep up in us. If we stand with God, we can push it away. We need to be alert and ready to fight off the temptation and sin. Let's look at the first part of verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Now, everyone has temptations and everyone is tempted by the same, if not similar things throughout history. The temptations that the Israelites faced were the same that the Corinthians faced and they're the same that we face today. Look at the temptations and sins that were talked about in our passage for today. Idolatry. Have you ever committed idolatry? I'm sure all of us have. Right? We all put things before God in our lives. We've all made God a lesser priority in our life than other things. You cannot deny that you're not an idolater. Tim, Tel- Tim Keller says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything, anything that is so central and so essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would, hardly, would feel hardly worth living. Therefore, anything can be an idol. Anything can be an idol. Not just bad things like a golden calf, like another god. It means even good things can be an idol, right? It could be your family can become your idol. Your job can become your idol. Money, prestige, ministry work become your idol. Working out, all of it can become your idol. Every day, we also face the temptation of idolatry. And what about sexual immorality? Have you been sexually immoral before? Have you thought of things that you should not have? Have you looked at things you should not have? Have you done things that you shouldn't have in the sexual nature? Have you thought about someone in a sexual manner when you should not have? Sex is everywhere. It's so easy to get access to. So every day we face the temptation of sexual immorality. What about testing God? Have you ever asked God to show you his power, show you that he is real, to prove himself to you? Have you ever said or thought, if you're so strong, you can fix this for me. Do this for me. And if you don't, I'm out. But if you do, I'll believe. When things are tough, we are pulled and strained. We may test God to show us and prove his power and authenticity in our life. Every day, we face the temptation of testing God. And what about grumbling against God? Have you ever complained to God? God, why is my life like this? God, why is their life like that? Why is it better than mine? Why do they have this and that and I have nothing? Every day, we face the temptation to grumble against God. The Israelites of the past the believers in Corinth in the past and us today, we are the same in that we are tempted and sin in the same ways. But Paul says at the end of verse 13, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way to escape that you may be able to endure it. You know, the first time I read this verse many years ago, I thought... (laughs) I honestly thought, what a bunch of crap. That, this can't be true. Like, this, 
this verse in the Bible. <laughs> Everything else can be true. This verse cannot. Why? Because if it's true, I wouldn't be sinning like this. It would be so much easier for me to overcome temptation. If God provides an escape, I've never seen it. But if it says so here in our Holy Scriptures, then it must be true. That even in temptation, in the way to sin, God provides an escape. God provides a way out. What we have to do then is look for those exits. Look for those ways to escape. And to learn how to do this, all we have to do is look at the one that we always look towards for everything. And that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible tells us Jesus is 100% God, but also 100% human. And so if Jesus was human, then he would be tempted in the same ways as us, correct? He would have faced the same types of temptations. Was Jesus ever tempted in the Bible? The answer is yes. Did he overcome it? The answer is also yes. So how did Jesus overcome temptation? In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, it gives us a story of Jesus being baptized, oh, sorry, tempted. After he was baptized, he went into the desert and fasted for 40 days. And during that time, the devil comes to him and tempts him. And scripture tells us that the devil tempted him three times. Each time he is tempted, though, Jesus fights back, battles back. And the way he does it is by using scripture. Jesus uses the scriptures to fight against the temptation. That was the escape. See, after fasting 40 days, Jesus must have been hungry. Some of us in here, we can't even go a day without skipping one meal. But think about how hard it is to go without eating for 40 days. The first temptation that comes to him, the devil says, command these stones to become loaves of bread. What does Jesus say? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The second temptation, after taking Jesus to a high place, the devil says, throw yourself down and God will command his angels concerning you. Jesus says, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The third temptation, after showing the kingdoms, the devil says, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. <laughs> Look at the temptations that the devil came to Jesus with. Do you find anything interesting? Aren't they similar to what the Israelites went through? And what Paul says is common to all humans? The first temptation grumbling. When the Israelites were hungry, they grumbled to God. When they were thirsty, they complained. When they wanted something else to eat, they cried, they complained, and they grumbled, and God provided them all the food that, could they, they, that they wanted, but they still complained. The Corinthians also had an issue with food, specifically food sacrificed to idols. Jesus, too, being human, was undoubtedly hungry, but he did not complain to God for food or anything. He knew that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus beat out the temptation to grumble against God with Scripture. The second temptation, testing God. In the book of, story, book of Numbers, there's a story of how the Israelites gained victory and was full of confidence, but afterwards God continues 
their journey in a roundabout way. So with full of confidence and, and uh, growing impatience, they blaspheme against God and they reject Moses. They despise the manna that God sent. This is an attack on God. Jesus here is tempted by the devil to do a similar thing. Test God and see how God will respond. Surely even if God, Jesus does something as reckless as throwing himself off the highest point of a temple, God will come and rescue him. But what does Jesus say? You should not put the Lord your God to the test. That's from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus beats out the temptation to test God with Scripture. And finally, the third one, idolatry. The Israelites grew impatient. They made a golden calf and claimed it as God, and many people started to worship it. Even Aaron, Moses' own brother, participated. And here the devil tempts Jesus by saying, I will give you everything if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And this is found in Deuteronomy 6.13. Jesus beats out the temptation to make an idol using scripture. Even Jesus is tempted in the same ways that we are tempted. But he got out of it by using scripture. That tells us the more you know the Bible, the easier, hopefully, it is to fight off temptation. The Bible, our scripture, is our way. It's our escape. It's our exit from temptation and sin. The reason why pastors tell you to read the Bible or to come out to Bible study is not just so you gain more biblical knowledge, (laughs) that you just get more facts about the Bible in your mind. No, it's so that you could use that knowledge Use the scripture in the battles of life. The Bible is said to be our sword in spiritual warfare. Warfare. You need your weapon to stand a chance against this world. You don't go into your battle with, without your weapon. And especially you don't go into battle without knowing how to use your weapon, right? The army, they have guns and they get trained on how to use the guns. You all have your Bibles, but if you're not training yourself, reading it and growing in it, not useful at all. Read the scriptures. Know the words and stand tall. Try and memorize a few verses. Make a few life verses so you can recall them in situations when sin might abound. You know, a few weeks ago, I did something that <laughs> I'm not proud of. I sinned and I sinned in a horrible, horrible way. You know those sins that you, we commit, um, the temptations we fall into, and once we do, once we fall, uh, fall into that sin, we immediately regret? Uh, I had that happen to me a few weeks ago. And I shared this story uh, <laughs> with some people here already, so they're here for a second time. But in my son, uh, Ryan's class, Ryan's in second grade, uh, there's something kind of off with his class, <laughs> something uh, that as a parent, I, I really don't like. He's in second grade, uh, and there's been a lot of happenings in the classroom that has upset me. A lot of name-calling, there has been bullying incidents, there has been kids hitting other kids in the class. It's just been kind of a, a weird year that my wife and I were like, man, we don't want him to be in a, the class with these kids again next year. And there's this one particular student who seems to be behind most of these events. Right? He's behind most of the things that are happening. One time, uh, a few months ago, 
uh, I saw him playing with Ryan, Ryan in the playground after school, and I saw this kid hit my son in the head. And it wasn't just like they're horsing around and fooling around and they accidentally hit him. It straight up like hit him on the head. And as a parent, when I saw that, I was like, huh, that's interesting because they weren't play fighting or anything like that. Like they weren't like pretending they're Power Rangers and accidentally got hit. So I called Ryan over. I was like, hey, why did that, why'd that kid hit you? He's like, I don't know. We're just playing. I was like, uh, it doesn't look like playing. Like tell him to not touch you like that. You know, that's not, it's not cool. Still okay. A few weeks passed, and about a month ago, as my wife was putting Ryan to sleep, he confessed something, and he said uh, that same kid has been hitting him in class, and uh, whenever he wants to go and tell the teacher about it, that kid will block the way, so he couldn't go and tell the teacher. And, you know, you've seen, most of you have seen my son. He's kind of on the taller side, but <laughs> this kid it's even taller and bigger than Ryan's. So we sp I had to speak about it with the teacher, and she said, oh, I'll try to make sure none of this happens again. But because this was being repeatedly being played out, uh, you know, as a parent, I started to develop, <laughs> and this is kind of bad, right, develop not so great feelings towards this kid. Like I already see him kind of in a, in a negative way, like I don't want my son to play with him and things like that. And then just a few weeks ago, uh, after school, our kids were playing in the, the playground, and I take my younger son uh, to play in the playground as well. And it was time to go home, so I was walking towards where my, my kids were to tell them it's time to go home, and that same boy was there. And I was walking towards them. All of a sudden, I see this kid push my younger son to the ground, Brandon to the ground. <laughs> and, you know, that kid's in second He's 80 years old, and my son is three, my younger son is three, and it wasn't just like a annoying, like, get away from me type, it was like a full-on two hands push, and R Brandon fell backwards, and he bumped his butt, and he started crying, and, and I snapped, and I did something I shouldn't do. I yelled at another parent's kid. Right. <laughs> when I ran over there, I was like, what are you doing? You're bigger than him. How dare you push my kid? I know there's been other things happening in your classroom. Don't be like, don't be a bad boy, right? And, you know, that kid's nanny ran over. She saw it. like, I'm so sorry. I'll talk to him. I'll talk to the parents later on. And other parents saw it. Like, oh, you know, that kid's. And I was like, Ryan, Brandon, let's go. And right when I said, let's go, and. We walked towards the car like this regret filled me, right? <laughs> like I yelled at another another parent's kid. Like that's the cardinal like parents, right? Like, you're not no matter what happened, you don't yell at another parent's kid. You don't yell at another child. And some of you might think, you know what, Pastor Charles, you're justified. Right? You've had this pent up aggression. Right? You might understand me, you might think I'm justified in it, but to me, I was like, oh, why did I do that? You know? And as I was walking my, my kids to my car, a verse repeated in my mind, and it comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, and it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And I don't know if God was trying to teach me a lesson, but <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my mind after this event. And on the car, I was like, oh, 
what have I done? Right? Couldn't I have handled the situation better? Could I have handled the situation more in love? Like maybe there's this there's things going on at this kid's house that just they just maybe this kid needs love. This child need, every child every child needs love. Couldn't I have loved or not raised my voice too high, but explained it? And that's what happened just a few weeks ago. It's funny how we know better after we act out. We know better after we sin. We're reminded of the scripture after we have already sinned. Perhaps that's still grace, though, because we know we sin and we're forgiven and we seek God's forgiveness. <laughs> no, God loved us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and resurrect for us. He, without sin, took our sin and grace is poured onto us to save us. But this doesn't give us an excuse to sin. Just because we come here every Sunday worship, knowing that we have a corporate confession of sin, doesn't allow us the right to continue living a life of sin. And if at times we forget scripture, how to act and speak and fall into temptation and sin, I found what helps me these days is to just pause everything and take a breath. Just not go so quickly into that situation. This is what I'm doing more and more. I just take a breath now. Whenever I start feeling angry or whenever I start feeling frustrated and want to grumble against God and complain about complain against God, I just take a breath and just wait for those feelings to kind of go away, to fight off that sin, temptation that's creeping up, slow my thoughts, slow my emotions, and remind myself of the scriptures. And then go towards the exit. Because there's always an exit. There's always an escape. Our Bible says that we are tempted in the same way that all humans throughout history have been tempted. Your struggles, (laughs) you're not the worst person in the world. Someone after this worship come up and tell me, Pastor Charles, you're not the worst person for yelling at that kid. We all go through the same struggles. We all sin the same sins. The Israelites were tempted. The Corinthians were tempted. Even our Lord Jesus was tempted. We will be tempted too. But we know that God provides a way out. Verse 13 once again says, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And if we believe our scriptures to be true, then no matter how hard it is to fight against sin, how hard we think it is to push away the temptation of our lives, this verse proves that we do also have the ability to overcome, that God will help us overcome and point us in the right way. Escape is possible. Endurance is possible. And as we saw from our Savior Jesus, Knowing scripture seems to be a great escape. Knowing the Bible and reminding us of it every day is a great escape. We need to be familiar with the exits. That means don't just read the Bible when you're going to sin or think about it after it. Remind yourself daily so that when those opportunities to sin arise, you remind yourself, aha, according to this verse, I shouldn't do this. According to that verse, I should push this away. Those of you who have come to St. John's to worship with us, you know where the exits are. But our guests that come for the first time, it's hard to know which way to go. 
which way to, what hill to go up, which rooms to go into. That means the more familiar you are with the Bible, the more paths of escape you're able to find. So know the word. Read it over and over. Memorize portions to help you overcome even the most difficult of times and situations and temptations and sin. Get familiar with it. When temptation and the situation to sin comes, do not dive in. Take a breath, pause, think and recall the scriptures in your mind and in your heart. Look for the exits. Find the escapes. Trust in God's help and rescue, for they are always there. Let's pray together. Holy Father, Lord, we just thank you for being our God. <laughs> and first and foremost, we come to you once again seeking your forgiveness. Because every day we sin. Every day we turn away from you and from the riches you provide to just seek out earthly and temporary pleasures. Help us, O oh Lord, to remember <laughs> your word the words that we believe to be entirely true in the Bible to help us ward off the temptation to sin, to help us ward off the temptation to do things that we should not do, Lord Father. Lord, throughout history, all humankind was, had, was tempted to become idolaters, to fall into sexual immorality, to, <laughs> to test you, to grumble against you. And we face those same, te same temptations. Help us, O oh Lord, to remember that there's always a way out, always an exit, and through your scriptures we can find that grace. Help us, O oh Lord, to live upright lives and stay righteous always. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to...